Hello friends! Today we are going to be reading part 9 of what Luke really cared about. I am back from vacation, so I will be getting into these verses. So let's get to work. So this first section is called Priority of People. With two unique stories of Sabbath healings, the crippled woman in chapter 13 verses 10 through 17, and the diseased man in chapter 14 verses 1 through 6, Luke made clear that people are to be more highly valued than material possessions and human customs. This valuation of people is not to be about any benefits others might offer in return. Rather, it is to be maintained in humility, which we can see in chapter 14, verses 7 through 14, which say, When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The next section it gives is chapter 17, verse 7 through 10, which says, Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have done only our duty. Luke was not content to record only the parable of the lost sheep, which we see in chapter 15, verse 1 through 7, which says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who do not need to repent. It also says carried forward in Matthew chapter 18 verses 12 through 14, but we have not got there yet, so we will not read that. He also appended the unique parables of the lost coin, which we see in chapter 15, 
verses 8 through 10, which say, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the lost or prodigal son, which we can see in chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. That is a lengthy paragraph, so we will not get into that one. In this way, Luke challenged his readers to view repentant persons as more highly valuable than material possessions. The unique story of Zacchaeus, the repentant formerly despised tax collector, in chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, provides another example of valuing people and closes with what some consider to be Luke's summary statement of Jesus' whole mission. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost, which is chapter 19, verse 10. This next section is called Putting God First. Jesus said, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God, which is chapter 9, verse 60. We must understand that the father of the man in the story was probably not yet dead when he made this excuse. Lord, first let me go and bury my father. From chapter 9, verse 59, meant, I have other obligations to take care of, and my schedule will not be freed up for me to follow you until sometime in the future, after my father passes away. Luke was not saying that taking care of one's parents is wrong, but if such things come between a person and Jesus, then that one cannot be his disciple. Only Luke appended a parable to the discussion of the two greatest commandments which we can see in chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, which say, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side of the road. So too a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man in his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. 
Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. And it says, carried forward in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40, and Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 34. The person asking the question about loving God and neighbor wanted to justify himself in the continued discussion and asked exactly who his neighbor was, i.e., so that he would know whom he did not need to love. But Jesus answered the inquiry with this parable of a good Samaritan, which challenged everyone to take time to be a good neighbor. Only Luke reported the story of Jesus healing ten lepers, which we see in chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, which say, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. While nine of the healed men rushed off to their renewed lives, Jesus congratulated the one who returned and gave praise to God for his intervention in his life. This next section is called prayer. Luke had more to say about prayer than any other gospel and showed Jesus praying more than the others, which we can see in chapter 3, verse 21, which says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, heaven was opened. Chapter 5, verse 16, which says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Chapter 6, verse 12, which says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Chapter 9, verse 18, which says, Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? Also in chapter 9, verses 28 through 29, which say, About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up into the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. The rest of the examples are from chapter 10, verse 21, chapter 11, verse 1, chapter 22, verse 40 through 46, chapter 23, verse 34, and chapter 23, verse 46. While Matthew included a slightly longer version of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, only Luke recorded that Jesus used this prayer outline in response to a disciple's request for a prayer lesson, which we can see in chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, which say, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. 
Luke continued the prayer lesson with a uniquely Lucan parable about prayer. The friend at midnight, which we see in chapter 11, verses 5 through 8, which say, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And then a summary encouragement to pray, because God can be trusted to answer well, which we see in chapter 11 verses 9 through 13, which say, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Later, in the travel narrative, Luke included two more unique parables that encourage persistence and humility in prayer. The persistent widow and the unjust judge in chapter 18 verses 1 through 8, and the Pharisee and the tax collector in chapters 18 verses 9 through 14. This last section is called Keeping Priorities Straight. In response to a would-be disciple's wish to say goodbye to family, Jesus said, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God, which we can see in chapter 9, verse 62. Saying goodbye to family members is not wrong, but if paying attention to such things means one must ignore Jesus, then one cannot be his disciple. Only Luke recorded Jesus sending 72 disciples, on a short-term mission trip, which we see in chapter 10, verses 1 through 24. When they returned rejoicing in the success of their ministries, Jesus cautioned them not to rejoice in even the supernatural power given them by God, but rather to rejoice in the fact of their salvation. While the other Gospels mention the sisters Mary and Martha, Luke alone reported the story about their struggle with priorities which we can see in chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, which says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. While Mary chose to focus on listening to Jesus' teaching, Martha was distracted by all the preparations for entertaining. Without condemning Martha for her service, Jesus scolded her for her anxiety and congratulated Mary for her rightly chosen focus of attention. Similarly, Luke recorded that Jesus had some confrontations 
with the religious leaders, most notably the Pharisees, in chapters 11, verses 37 through 54, and chapter 14, verse 1 through 24, challenging them to think rightly about their priorities. Too often, these well-respected, Bible-believing conservatives became distracted by their own religious behaviors and sense of self-importance, causing them to slide far too easily into hypocritical living, which we can see in chapter 12, verse 1. In addition to these points about Jesus' followers having radically different priorities for living, Luke indicated some other general characteristics of the lives of the believers. In particular, Luke had more to say than the other Gospels about joy, 36 uses of the word joy, praising God, 45 uses of praise and glory words, celebrating, 19 references to meals and banquets, symbolic of the joy of life, but also of Jesus' offer of life-giving salvation, Luke often pictured Jesus at table fellowship, scholars' term for the first century sharing of meals, which symbolized intimate friendship and unity. Even with various marginalized persons, which we can see in chapter 5, verse 29 through 32, which say, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Chapter 7, verse 34, which says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Also, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, where Luke talks about Jesus being anointed by a sinful woman. And the Pharisees, you know, talking bad about that. Chapter 11, verses 37 through 54, where Luke goes over what Jesus said about the woes on the Pharisees and the experts of the law. Chapter 14, verse 1 through 6, which says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisee and experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent, so taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. And then chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, which say, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Reflecting the priority for believers to maintain an eternal perspective, Jesus also told stories about table fellowship events anticipating the celebration of heaven, which we can see in chapter 14, verse 7 through 11, which we have already read in this podcast episode, basically talking about Jesus saying, for the people in the parties not to choose the highest seat, but to choose the lowest seat and be moved up and exalted. Also in chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, where Jesus tells people who host parties not to invite their friends, brothers and sisters, relatives, or neighbors, but to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and they will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Also in chapter 14, verses 15 through 24, which say, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one, who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a banquet and invited many guests. At this time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Chapter 15, verse 23, which says, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Chapter 16, verses 20 through 21, which say, At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dog came and licked his sores. It also says, carried forward in chapter 22, verse 7 through 30. Don't really know what that means, but there's that if you guys want to look into that. The summary says, in his gospel, Luke really cared about accurately reporting historical events because those events clearly communicated the unique identity of Jesus as God's son on the mission of bringing God's salvation for all people. Furthermore, Luke emphasized that followers of Jesus have not only salvation for the future, but radically different priorities for living in the present. So that is the end of what Luke really cared about. Tomorrow, we will be getting into Matthew. So look forward to that. I know these episodes were kind of lengthy, but I hope that you guys were able to learn something from them. Have a blessed day, and till next time.